minute nice. on the minute, I I say GameStop rules. Yeah, I have heard and you, you say do that. EA Sports. It's in the game. game, boys. Yeah, true. All right, let's start the episode. Yeah, it's, that we should. Man, what a <sighs> week for gaming. Even though we only record on Friday, I feel like a lot of shit has happened in the past like four days. Yeah, you know, we 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 always time it right, don't we? Yeah, always. Every time we're nonstop hit, hitters in that respect. Timing timing's incredible. Lots of timing happening. Time, it's it's eluding me. It's evading me. Yeah. I, fucking Game of the Year came out. Slipping, slipping into the future. Game of the Year. Yeah, which game? GTA 3? We're, 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 we're barely talking to each other right now. Uh, what do you mean? Because <laughs> you, you're jumping over things. I don't even need time. But uh, are you talking about GTA 3 Remaster? No. I'm talking about Gotya. Somebody I used to know. Game of the Year. I think perhaps I don't know what you're talking about. You didn't see the nominations? No. Let me see. Let me see. I saw that happened too. What a fucking insane. I sent them to you. No, you didn't. Did I not? Let's see. Uh, Oh, I said, what did I say? Also, check out the game nominations. A tiny, tiny text in between links. (laughs) Okay, so you hid it from me amongst a million GTA glitches. I play. I squished it in between glitch clips. Yeah, you just really squeeze it in there. Um, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's like uh, my roommate, uh, friend of the show, Michael Goldenberg, our movie reviewer. He's left, you know, for the entire rest of the year. Just to, it caught up to me. I was like, wow, the year's already over again, and and, and it hit me all over again with the, with the game of the year nominations already being released and being like, wow, this year's this year's already over. Nothing happened. Nothing. And truly nothing happened. I mean, did you, okay, let's look at them right now. Here, yeah, yeah wait, I got them pulled up. up. I'm on IGN right now. Oh, it's is that, is that who does them? I mean, a lot of, there's like several, everyone's getting a game of the years. I don't know what the like canonical one is. There's one, there's one big boy. I guess it's the game awards. Okay. So the, the game awards game nominees. Awards nominees 2021. Okay, so game the games of the year nominees are and <laughs> get ready for this uh, list of heavy hitters, folks. You know them, you love them. Uh, starting off with Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts Two, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And Resident Evil Village. And, you know, there, there's one common denominator with all these games, Lux. And it must have been the, the qualifier of what d- was Game of the Year. And it's the common denominator between all these genres, all these stories, is that if you play enough of any of these games, it starts to suck. Uh, I didn't think Psychonauts 2 ever really started to suck. But otherwise, I agree. Didn't finish it. You're a liar. You didn't finish it. I haven't finished it, but that's because other games <laughs> well, came out and I got well, distracted. Well. It's not because the game was bad. It was because other games came out and I got distracted. It sounds like, listen, you, you, it sounds like game of the year if you got distracted and found certain play I mean, something else. Look, you know, there's been a lot of drama in my life lately, and I've had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically around you playing Psychonauts 2. No, no, it's just sort of an inhibitor to my ability to sit down and play Psychonauts 2. And then fucking, sh- you know, games are coming out. I'm trying stuff for the pod. I'm doing other stuff, you know? Yeah, but still, a game of the year should pull you through the entire thing. Yeah, I just don't Make think... Make you c- fully consume the product and have to see the finish, the final thesis statement. Yeah, well, I got very close to the end and then kind of tailed off. But yeah, you're right. I mean, none of these games... Well, the, the broad thesis is right here, which is that none of these games 
except for arguably Psychonauts 2 feels like anything close to a game of the year, in my opinion. I, I completely agree. And uh, I got to say with the, the, these, these game of the years is, yeah, it's like all of them really fall apart um, as they keep going on with maybe the exception of Psychonauts 2. But certainly I haven't talked to anyone who's finished it. I've talked to people who have started it and been like, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but again, Psychonauts 2 seems to sort of its act two seems to really dawdle uh, and not pull you through it. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty far into the third act of that game, but I will say that like. It does. Some of the best shit about that game is like the sense of adventure and discovery. Mm -hmm. And it sort of becomes a little clear where things are going and just you lose a little bit of that juice towards the end. I think it's good and very fun, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't I think it would be disingenuous to say that like it keeps up the same level because I mean, remember when I first got it, I was playing like eight hours a day uh, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of tailed off on it. And I think there is some some truth to like it doesn't quite, quite, quite keep it going the whole time. And then also, like, obviously stuff happened in my life and things got weird and then I sort of went away. Um, yeah. Uh, so that, like, ends up being sort of uh, a, like a reason, like you said, like a reasonable claim to, like, none of these games really feel like a game of the year because even what I think is the best one didn't drag me all the way to the end on, like, sheer momentum. And yeah. And I mean, I mean, for me personally, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but like uh, my game of the year is not a game that came out this year. It, but it seems like the connections that I had the most with this year were were, were games from other years. Um, but, you know, I got to get this off my chest. Deathloop is a piece of shit. It's so crazy. It's so crazy that that game is allowed to be like on this list and just goes to show you what a drought of a year it's been. Yeah. I mean, Deathloop. We got to admit, and we talked this on the show already, has really cool mechanics, has a really good feel, does not do nearly enough with them. Um, Deathloop. OK, and now I got to say spoilers. I told you the game is bad, so you shouldn't want to play it. But Lux, I don't even think you know this. But this game story becomes one of the dumbest and worst things I've ever played. I do not know the specifics. I only know what you've alluded to. I'm going to just get, I'm just going to say now that it's on game of the year, I don't No respect, no respect given. I'm spoiling it. Uh, this is the first game of the year to be pro incest. Uh, essentially. Wow. (laughs) Essentially the twist is, is that you, the main character are the father of Julianne, the woman who's been flirting slash hunting and killing you. Uh, and that she has been, like allowing this incest flirty sexual relationship to you know occur um just because just because she likes to fuck with her dad that's two time loop based games this year where the reveal is it's an incest because that's what happened in 12 minutes too yeah what is going on with that what is up what is what why does time travel have to be incest yeah Oh, God, that sucks. <laughs> I did not know it, that. I think that's super. How is this game of the year? What are we doing here? It's supposed to be it's supposed to be like a Bioshock like twist or like perspective shift on like what your relationship is to the antagonist. Um, but it comes off as just insanely like corny, poorly acted and written. And then just the ultimate question of why? <laughs> Like, yeah, and like, like there was just it was just unnecessary. It was just weird. And like, who the fuck thinks that like 
in a daddy daughter incest situation, the dad is the like sympathetic. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that flip is super weird. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> damn, all these times when your daughter is trying to fuck you. I mean, come on, come on. Yeah. It's, it must be tough. <laughs> must be tough. Just yeah. to just just sort of like um just sort of like crass and gross for the almost just the sake of it like there doesn't seem to be any sort of like in, intellectual narrative behind it like yeah it's just just weird it just it felt like it wasn't written by a human but it was written by like like a the ai at like, at like Pornhub or something like that like yeah it just didn't make sense and like yeah it's i Let's uh, okay. I'm saying it now. New rule: no more incest in time travel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's keep those two separate. Hey, listen. Bioshock Infinite found a way. Yeah. Well, you know, life will do oh, that. Wait, or di- wait, no, they didn't. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, they, they did. They kind of did like an uncest. <laughs> well, and then they also had the the twins who were also one person. Yeah, that's more like jerking it. Yeah, never mind. And jerking They've, it, and jerking it remains undefeated. You're right, and and that remains a theme. I can firmly say that. Um, but moving on the list, you know, um, it takes two is that like co-op game that like looks like a Pixar movie. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of has the premise of like Honey, I Shrunk the Parents or whatever, where it's like the parents are like about to have a divorce and then they get shrunk down to like the size of little toys and like have to learn how to like get along and like work together. Um, classic premise seen it before, but we haven't really seen it in a video game. Um, this game story also completely falls apart. Yeah. It it really, it really feels like it's written for like, it's like a story that's like an hour long and they make it like 20 hours of like the same repetitive beat. Um, it looks like a Pixar movie, but it but it has the writing of like a direct to DVD like film that like is just yeah like in a bargain bin somewhere. It looks like a Pixar movie and has the sort of lack of subtlety and repetitiveness of a late period Pixar movie. Pixar movie, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely it's definitely post Pixar, yeah. Um, but like it's it, so it's frustrating on like a narrative level, but it's also frustrating on a game play level because this game looks like a game that you should be able to pick up and play with anyone i mean certainly no hardcore gamer would be attracted to this fucking kids ass aesthetic and game about wanting your mommy and daddy to stay together like surely this would be something for like you know twee teens and kids but no the gameplay is incredibly difficult um it is not for non-gamers so you can't just like bring in your non-gamer significant other and play a fun game with them. Yeah, that's uh, it, always <laughs> to me feel like from what you described and like I played this at a, at a couple of friends houses like the problem with this game to me is that like this game clearly seems to be for like couples in their late 20s to mid 30s that who, both play video games. Yeah, or well actually and they're also is, Harry or, Potter adults. Yeah, or who are Harry Potter or, or who's like have jobs like want to have an activity to do together and like play a game together. And like, that's like how the game appears and like frames itself. But then you play it and it's like, this is not a game for people who want to sit down for 45 minutes and play a game. This is a game for people who want to spend two or three hours on it at a time and like seriously dedicate effort to doing a hard thing. And it's like the type of game it is, the story it's telling, the aesthetic screams like 
this is a fun break for two people to take from their work day. But then you right. play it and it's so not. It's so it's like yeah. very it's like way more complicated than that ask. It's super bizarre. And it's like I mean, it's literally it's funny that it's a game about divorce because like a bunch of people, a bunch like I played it with my girlfriend and it's like this is a game that you break up to. Like this is a game that like is so frustrating to play with a non gamer that like there becomes this aggressive, contentious relationship. And it's like not relaxing or fun at all it's really <laughs> shitty it takes um, two sessions of this game to destroy your relationship <laughs> yeah exactly uh it take yeah it, it, it really only takes two hours um you know uh but so it's frustrating on multiple levels and it's just insane that it's a game of the year um but uh moving on metroid dread okay sure whatever i mean metroid dread is good it's a competent Metroid game, but like, does it sing to me in any major new way? I don't know. To me, it's like, it's like a, it's a nice memory of the past. It does. It's not pushing the medium forward in any way. Yeah. I mean, it does. The cool thing about it, and I don't own it. I've only played my friend's copy a little bit, so I'm not like overly inverse in it, but my, my experience with it is that like, it feels like, a very cool kind of sticking their flag into like we figured out the Metroidvania for Switch mountain. It's like, look, we've done it. This is like about as good as it's going to get. I don't really see like because because uh, except for like Hollow Knight, but Hollow Knight's a little bit different. Um, like this is about as, as good as it gets. And like that it doesn't feel like particularly innovative. It just feels like really, really good at the stuff that we expect those games to be pretty good at. Right. Um, yeah. And that's cool. And that's fun. And that's like worth playing, no doubt. Um, but again, like you're saying, game of the year, I feel like when I think about it is always like like Hades was game of the year. The year it came out for me largely because it felt like it was doing something. That they had found a way to make roguelikes for everyone through a mix yeah. of mechanics and, and story and art. And that was like a mm-hmm. new thing, because before that, roguelikes were very right. much like for like the, the wild crazies. Mm-hmm. Um. And that was like innovative and interesting. And this is not like making the Metroidvania for everyone or revolutionizing the way we relate to the Metroidvania. It's just doing a really good good job of a Metroidvania. Exactly. It's so it feels like it's like it should get it should get the reward for like most consistent or something like that. Like not like great. Like, you know, I don't know. Um, But anyways, uh, you know, moving on, we talked a little bit about Psychonauts 2 already. Again, we both enjoyed. (laughs) I think it's really fucking good. But you know what? Neither of us finished it, and we can't ignore that. It's the closest. Um, I think it's the closest to doing sort of what I was talking about as far as the game of the year in terms of like it is kind of pushing the limits on um, like adventure games and platforming stuff. And it does have some really fun narrative shit. and It's doing some new things. But I think, again, it falls into what I was saying before, this kind of trap where it's its greatest asset is the sense of wonder. And once you fully understand the plot and the world, the sense of wonder kind of like leaks out of it a little bit. And like, Mm -hmm. that's not a a total failure on the game's part. It's a really hard thing to maintain throughout three acts of a story. But like, it is a true thing. Like, it's not. Yeah. Like you said, you mentioned bio, like we talked about Bioshock Infinite or like Bioshock, the first one, Bioshock, the first one really keeps you guessing and on the edge of your seat the entire time till the end. Um, and that's why that was a game of the year. And the reason why Psychonauts 2, even though it might still qualify for me if I once I finish it, I might change my mind. But like the reason why it's not up there for me right now is just that, like, I don't feel shocked by things. I feel amused by things 
and interested in things, but nothing feels like revelatory in that game anymore. The first half, I thought there were some really fun revelations, but towards the same, end, not same as Same Metroid Dread. Yeah, same, same thing as Metroid Dread for me, where it's like, okay, it's like hitting the, the zone that we know is hitting, but it's not it's not treading any new territory, Yeah, um, at least in my opinion. Um, then we got Ratchet and Clank, which like to me, I was really blown away with at first because this is probably one of the most visually stunning games and like was like the premier like visual set piece for the ps5 um and like i i can't deny that i was truly stunned by some of the visuals uh and some of the just sort of like roller coaster-esque set pieces in the game but you know as i was a few weeks past it and I started playing Psychonauts 2, it really showed all the holes in Ratchet and Clank behind like the pretty exterior. One, the story in Ratchet and Clank is pretty stupid. Uh, pretty just uh, <laughs> pretty just stupid pretty story for babies. Just a baby story. All, a pretty all, like barely competent, like getting like a C minus, not a D, but like a C minus um, in creativity. And then ultimately, like there wasn't that much customization. And then the powers and weapons you used didn't really matter in a moment to moment basis. So there wasn't really a lot of puzzle unlocking and there wasn't a lot of thought. It was just kind of a candy coated roller coaster. Yeah, I feel um, a bit like a broken yeah. record in this respect, but like it's the same shit as Metroid Dread, right? It's they took a Ratchet and Clank game. They did in many ways the best possible version of it, although I, although I'll, I'll stipulate that story wise, it does not hold up to some of the other ones. But like mechanically, visually, like technically speaking, did the best version of it. Very cool. However, I've played several Ratchet and Clank games before. There's nothing about doing the best Ratchet and Clank game that feels like it's pushing the art of video games in any meaningful direction. Um, aside from Ratchet and Clank games are better now. <laughs> Which mm -hmm. like isn't like does not move the needle for me particularly much, mm -hmm. um, and so it's I think that's I think you're right that is sort of the vibe of all of these. Um, again, Psychonauts two probably comes the closest to moving that needle, but it kind of falls apart towards the end, or at least like loses some of its juice. Um, Deathloop I think is the closest to doing something new and cool, but like you say, mm -hmm. the story kind of falls apart towards the end. Um, and it gets a little bit repetitive in a way that obviously it's repetitive. It's a time loop game, but like repetitive in a way that doesn't work in the context of the time loop game. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that's like the running thread here. Uh, although I guess maybe with the next one, that won't be the case. And I'll have a whole different complaint about it. Yeah. Um, because so, I have a lot yeah. of feelings about this next one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and then leading to the, the bottom of this fucking barrel is Resident Evil Village. Uh, That's a real are you fucking kidding me for me? It's I mean, it's a, it's a real. Yeah, I guess there wasn't anything else that came out this year. Yeah, it's like that game. Like, OK, it's been long enough that I can say this spoiler and this spoiler. Ooh, this spoiler is right side of this game is trash. Um, Which one? Towards the end of the game. There's a sequence where you have to fight a bunch of werewolves and you have like a bunch of guns and you're fighting a lot. And it's sort of like the first time that you are kind of like an empowered fighter guy. And then mm -hmm. immediately afterwards, you cut over to playing as Chris What's-His-Name and you're a mega-powered fighter guy. Mm -hmm. And it's just like such bad design and bad pacing where it's like if you want that moment where you play as Chris and you have infinite weapons to kill everything to hit, why would you put a worse version of that sequence 30 minutes before it in your game? 
Like that makes yeah. no sense. It's insanely stupid. Um, and like the whole That's game the spoiler. It's pretty late in the game. I I, I didn't even view that. I didn't view it as a spoiler. No, I just, like, <laughs> you, know, play, you get to play as Chris is like a twist. But like, uh, I, I don't even barely know who that guy is. Oh, Redfield. Come on. He's like classic Resident Evil character. Doesn't matter. Point being that like that's <laughs> emblematic of a broader problem with this game where it's like it's pacing and its structure and its design. There are independent slices of this game that are very good. Um, mm-hmm. that are like pretty S tier perfect, but there's like an overall coherence of design, not to mention how weird the story gets towards the fucking back end, um, with like the big mossy baby and all that. Um, Ugh. like not to mention that stuff, but like there's just weird design choices where it's like they got a pizza and there's three perfect slices of cheese pizza, but someone like barfed on two of them and the other three have like pepperoni and ranch on it. And they're like, this is one complete coherent pizza. And hmm. it's just like, no, it's not. There's a couple slices I want to eat and a couple that I would very much like to stay away from. I, to go in with that pizza metaphor, my my view of it is a, is slightly different and that it's four separate different slices of pizza from four different pizza places shoved together in like a Frankenstein. And then once you eat it, some guy tells you it wasn't pizza. Like, that's like what the game felt like to me, because it's like, OK, all the advertising is like you're going to have this incredible, spooky castle experience and you're you're going to be like fucking f- terrified by this big ass lady. And it's like, OK, perfect. And then it's like, oh, actually, that's only the first 30 minutes of the game or whatever. Oh, that's only 30 minutes of the game. And then she's she's gone. And then you're going to face a bunch of different villains that all feel like they're from like different genres and, and that have like no relation to each other um, and all have terrible, terrible voice acting. And it becomes like less horror and more like action. And then there's like a little bit of like a weird jigsaw saw area. And it was just it was it was just all over the place, incredibly unfocused, not difficult. And also the puzzle sucked. So it, it just just by minute by minute, it fucking fell apart into into like, you know, probably one of the worst experiences I've had in a while. If game of the year is game out of which you could slice the single best hour, I think you mm-hmm. can make a pretty good argument yeah. for Resident Evil yes. Village to be the game of the year. But that's like yes. an insane way to think about that award. Um, yeah, it's like it's like if the best Oscar movie went to the movie with the best joke, like well, well, well to take that even further, Lux, like I think that that's how they chose all of these games. If you only play, like I said at the top, the first couple hours of any of these games, you could consider or assume that they're all pretty decent. Yeah, right. That's that's true. They all they all start off very hot. I don't think I think they, all of these games all of at least start off like very, very strong. I think that's pretty inarguable. Ratchet and Clank takes two, you know, yeah. uh, Village like they all they all start hot. And then you actually have to like invest a little bit longer into them. And it's like maybe the trick is maybe no one's actually finishing any of these games. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just a whole bunch of Ben Burfers making these votes. Um, Son of a bitch. We love Ben Burford, but that man famously has never finished a video game. Um, yeah. Make, uh, but you put him on a statue. We got to put him on blast right now. Just kidding. I love, I love Burf. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, there is a real sense of uh, that like these games, it does feel like some of these games really, they didn't play the whole thing or, or it's a combination, right? It's like 
some degree it feels like they didn't play the whole thing. To another degree, it's like, well, what are you going to put? Like Returnal? Returnal was fun, I guess, but Returnal's the same thing where like I kind of got bored of it after like eight hours, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the Demon Soul re-release. Are we really going to make the re-release of a game the game of the year? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what's what's happening here? Like, what's the big there's like hasn't been. that many. I mean, even if you look at you look at the release dates of these games, I don't think any of them came out in the first half of the year. I think they're all yeah. in the back half. And I think most of them are in like the back third. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you're kind of hit on it. Like we are sort of talking about a set of nominees and a set of entries into the game of the year that are like not indicative of an entire year. Now, um, now let's talk, though, Lux, just for a second right here. What were the games of the year? Oh boy. I know that it's, it's sometimes sometimes it's, it's so you can see them. You can spot them from a mile away. You can see them on the horizon even. But some years like this year, you really do have to sift through the grass. Yeah, I have You have to you just see through the you haven't you haven't thought about it? I thought about it a little bit. Um All right. but I'm well, trying I'll to tell think, you I'll yeah, tell, tell you the, years and I'll think for a second. I'll tell you the big, big missing one on the list. And that of course is Bowser's Fury. Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the most positive gaming experiences I had all year. A small game, but a mighty game. Sure. And Bowser's Fury was fun. It was it was downright perfect. The only thing that was fucked up with it was that it was too short, you know? Yeah, I buy I buy that. That game was uh that game was really good. That was a really good I I, I will concede that was a real, real good game. Real I mean, small, like, real tight, real fun. Yeah, but the promise of an of like the future with the with the open world Mario ideas and sort of like doing a little taste of it. Oh my god, it was it was just perfect. Uh, the blend of like seeing something on the horizon and just traveling to it, and then like there being an organic Mario puzzle just sprouting up. Uh, there was something truly pure about that. Um, yeah, and that was. And you know, I'm so, I'm shocked that we didn't pay any respects to that. Yeah, we should have gotten more more into that one for sure. That one was a, a real blast. Okay, here's one that that sort of is on my list that maybe isn't the most straightforward. Uh, I thought the near replicant release was really good. Hmm. Okay. Um, I thought that was like a game that was a game I dumped a lot of hours into um, and had a lot of fun with. Um, mm. But I think you're right. This year just doesn't really sing because like, I don't like, I don't know. I mean, honestly, right now, what game of the year is probably Shumigami Tensei 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, which we'll talk about. Which we will talk about after the break for sure. But, um, but like, I'm just like, I'm going through, I'm looking through games released this year. I'm just not I'm seeing stuff that I remember being like, yeah, it was pretty good. Like uh, East Nine uh, was really good. It was fun. Um, fuck you. Well, let me tell you. Well, th- don't just read a list of stuff off because that's a waste of time and you're going to bore me. Well, I'm, uh, just, I'm only reading the ones that really jump out at me that I remember. But yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, on, the only the big other game that I thought. I was shocked didn't get more respect was Subnautica Below Zero. Subnautica um, was on my list too, yeah. Subnautica was just it was my first experience with that type of game. I it was insanely difficult, but there was something exhilarating about it. And once you start to get you actually going in that game and you build your underwater lab and you start to put some lights on in there and you play some music and you finally feel safe for the first time and you're cruising around your powerful ship, it's it's a great game. Really great game. Um and I think it deserved more love this year. 
Yeah, I buy that. That game was really fun. I didn't play a ton of that game, but I thought that was a pretty fun and interesting an interesting game for sure. Yeah. But you know there's just like so little. I I I did I really like Near Replicant. Um, I mean, it seems like it was a, a year not of like big titles, but like a lot of you, us playing very small indie games, playing games from other years. Um, because ultimately, you know, if I were to ask myself, what is 2021 about in terms of my gamer journey? It's Final Fantasy 14, baby. Uh, you know, it's the best game I've played this year yeah. by far. I mean, and for me, it's definitely my like uh, my like Falcom, my like play all the Falcom games project. Mm-hmm. Where I played all the Trails games or working through all the Trails games, um, and like those have definitely been my main thing this year. And we've re- returned to tradition, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a distressing phrase to say the least, but not entirely <laughs> false. Um, I just, I just like the way that the Greek and Roman men of legend <laughs> made video games. Yeah, no, it's true. They were really a lot more noble about it than we are now. <laughs> like it is. It is crazy because I'm like I didn't even put this together until we started talking about it because I because I, I didn't see your messages we went over before. Like I'm looking at a list of all the games this year and I'm seeing games that I'm like yeah that was pretty good yeah that was fun but I'm not seeing anything that I'm just like my god like you know like Mario Golf was was very good but I'm not going to give the award to Mario Golf right right the Mass Effect re-releases extraordinary. Doesn't right. matter. Well, you it's can't a do re-release. a re-release. Yeah. Like same with the Shin Megami Tensei three re-release. <laughs> I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, just like in the movie industry that they played a lot of movies that were shelved. It's like this was the pandemic post year. You know, this is the year where everyone had been working inside. And this is the output you, you we got from that. We got a lot of delays. We got some old stuff remastered and re-released. Um, and we played our more long term service games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, pretty crazy. Sh- um, yeah. But- and like, well, I wonder if this is going to always be like this now where it's like just a few things and then like the service games are still really popular. And then there's like, you know, maybe one game a year. Um, but it, yeah, it's like it, what, 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 when will we get to a point where PS5s are available, Xboxes are available and there's like six to eight like triple a games competing for game of the year. Well, I wonder I, if we'll I ever get there again. Be next year, like next year's releases look pretty stacked and pretty swang a but like, yeah, we'll see. Right. Like, you know, is Obsid- is obsidian's fantasy game going to come out next year? That could be a competitor for game of the year. The next mm-hmm. elder scrolls thing. Literally no one knows what's going on with that. Um, mm-hmm. the star journey or whatever the fucking Todd Howard game is star Howard. Yeah. Star Howard. Um, like that's Howard. That might come out. You know, there's like a ton no, of. Well, well, who? Yeah, probably not. But who? Like, there's a ton of stuff like our Fable 4, for instance. Like, there's a lot of shit that looms. It's um, a building year, baby. And so this year might just be like a year off, and next year will be a flood of big games. But also, like, like you said, there are market conditions that kind of like <laughs> disincentivize the big swing games. Like, the fact mm-hmm. that these like seasonal pay to play games are so huge that like there's a much bigger kind of market upside to releasing a free game and just updating it pretty regularly as opposed to like developing one big old game and dumping it out there. Um, yep. And like, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I don't think this is going to happen for various reasons, but it like, I wouldn't be surprised if fucking cyberpunk has kind of a chilling effect also. Right. Like cyberpunk was a big old game that came out and just got absolutely blasted. And I mean, it's it's it is the elephant in the room. The thing I was going to mention is it's not on this list. Yeah. 
that's cr- that's like I mean, when did it come out in December or January? Yeah, something like that. And end of last year, it, very beginning of this year, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's like I mean, this was the game of all games. To hear all games, and and you know, to a certain extent, it's like when I think about my journey with Cyberpunk, playing it within the first couple of weeks of release with a few of the glitches. Cyberpunk blows all of these games out of the water, yeah. in my opinion, I was in say, terms of world and story and the side quests and the general just tone and feel and experience. I remember the characters' names. I remember the NPCs' names from the game. I remember distinct missions, experiences, and like that period of my life where I played that game was memorable and I'll always anchor me to that time. None of these games will do anything like that, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm I mean, like, I just think it got fucked. I think it got completely fucked. This is like a robbery to me. Yeah, I think I, I'm inclined to agree. I think aside from, for me, Psychonauts 2, but that also has a lot to do with my like personal relationship to Psychonauts and how much I just like love that, everything about like the aesthetic and style of the story of those games. But like, aside from Psychonauts 2, I think, yeah, I had a better time with Cyberpunk than I with any of the other games on this list, even if sometimes like I fell through the roof of a building and got stuck in a dumpster or yeah. like occasionally my car just started flying or like Who a guy's a face fuck? disappeared or sometimes it wasn't that bad. Yeah, exactly. There And like sometimes they were fun. And we'll talk more about my love of glitches, I think, in a second when we get to GTA. But like, like, yeah, I just didn't think it like it does seem weird to me that like, for instance, I mean, the fact that Resident Evil is on there and Cyberpunk is not seems insane to me because like we were talking about before, like game of the year feels like it should <laughs> It shouldn't just be the best executed game. It should also involve a big swing. Like it should be trying something big and different and cool. And Cyberpunk, for all of its admittedly many flaws, like was trying to do something big and different and cool and succeeded in a lot of ways. Also failed in a lot of ways. But like it took a big fat fucking swing. And I think there's it's and it was memorable and it's so hard to do, you know. Yeah, And I think there's like, yeah, it's it is worth crediting that swing as like a big old uh like that's something worth lauding that they did that they it did just that. sucks it just sucks it's the work of so many people making something really really special and you know like if it had been given more time if it had released in like july of 2021 or something like that like this would be game of the year yeah. you know like um and i think that there's like I think there's two people. I think there's two groups to blame. Obviously, there's the executives that are just pushing this out uh, just for money. They fucked up. But I think also the gaming community fucked up because like that first reaction on release is the only reaction. It's the only thing people will ever remember about the game. What they heard on that first week of release my roommate still acts like cyberpunk is broken and is like waiting to play it. It's like, that doesn't even make any sense. I've told him that multiple times that he could play it right now, but he insists that it's still broken. It's just like we as a community, like have to understand that like games can be broken and also be fixed. Yeah. It's just, I just, I don't know. It seems like super frustrating that like no one seemed to ever give it a second chance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that people weren't holding out. Cause I, I played it after some of the patches because like, you're not going to let, I'm not going to walk away from the opportunity to have like robot mantis legs and a fucking katana. Are you kidding me? Um, 
And that shit still fucking rules. Like I forgot how cool that shit was. Yeah, there's like some really cool shit in that game. And it's just like, I think the game, like obviously like, and we contribute to this, like we ripped on that game a lot for being silly and having hilarious glitches. Cause like it did like, that's no doubt about it. But like, it still had more ambition and kind of artistry to it than like Resident Evil or maybe not the Deathloop, but Deathloop just had other pitfalls, but, like more than Resident Evil, more than like Metroid Dread. It had more originality than those things. Um, and I think that that's something that should be rewarded. I'm not going to say Cyberpunk is my game of the year because like it was just like it's a lot. I have to think about it. That's a big claim that I'm not sure I'm ready to make. But the yeah. fact that it's not on the list and is not like in the discussion is bizarre. Yeah, it's totally insane. It feels just like vindictive and like punishing um, to a game that if you played it right now, you would have fun playing it. If you like if you like that kind of game, if you like Grand Theft Auto, if you like shooting people, if you like going on a more story based adventure, you're going to like this game. Yeah, if you it's like a having great, jumpy great legs game. and a goddamn katana, like, yeah, shut the, yeah, every, what the fuck? Oh my, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, on that alone, it should have gotten have a big cool so gla- insane. You have a big cool jacket, sunglasses, a silly hat, robot legs, and a katana. And it's like, that alone, you're right, should really like have it in the conversation, if nothing else. The game has Keanu Reeves doing like over 40 hours of performance. And it's not bad. Like, and it's, and yeah, he's like acting constantly. It's like, it's like getting to watch like 10 Keanu Reeves movies. It's nuts. It's crazy. I just, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, fuck award shows. Like, who cares what a bunch of random people put on a list? But this list to me is also very, signatory of the larger gamer community's thoughts on on what happened this year. Yeah. And they're wrong, folks. What a shock. The Game Boys disagree with most other people who play video games. What a new but, breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news. Speaking of breaking, uh, maybe we mm-hmm. should take a little break and listen to an ad and then come on back. That sounds so great. Last 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 uh, nomination, best ongoing Final Fantasy 14 online. Let's go. Best ongoing. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Game Boys. Also, welcome to Game Boys. I don't think we ever actually did the thing where we say the name of the show, but my name's Lux and I'm one of your hosts. And I am Griffin. I just got back from the chiropractor and I'm 90% Matal. Very cool. Also joining us as always is our producer and editor extraordinaire, the best in the biz, producer Haley on the ones and twos. Um, so that's the intro to the show. It's also our intro back from the ad break. Uh, we just talked about game of the year, but now let's talk about some other games that have come out this year. Um, do you want what you want to talk about first? I got my SMT notes, but we can also talk about GTA. Different two different three letter acronyms. Mm-hmm. What are the what are the what do they spell together? Um, uh, get a Smith. D- decode that and get back to me. Um, yeah, let's talk about Grand Theft Auto. Uh, so the remaster came out. It's GTA three, four and San Andreas. Is that what it is? No. Um, G- GTA three vice city and San Andreas. I think it's those three. Um, and it, they basically made it look, we talked on a previous episode about how they made it look like Fortnite characters. Yeah. Uh, and now the new revelations are that everything is, it, it's, it's, the, it's like a, the worst port ever made. It looks, 
Unbelievable. <laughs> the clip that's been going around of someone swiveling their car and their car grows. That's the best. It, that's the best clip I've ever found. It's like one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. That one or there's Basically, one. If they turn left, if they turn left or right, the car just it's like it looks like an illusion at first, like you're imagining it. But like as they keep wiggling the car, it just gets a bigger honking ass and then it starts widening out in the front. All of a sudden you have this giant wide car. <laughs> it's it's, it's an incredible glitch. In the video, there's not really, there's a lot of swiveling without a good reference next to it. And then they pull up next to another car and the car is so much bigger than yes. the other car. And it's incredible. It looks so huge. It's also, it's a, it's a great glitch because Sometimes when you look at a glitch, you're like, oh, that wall is broken or, oh, they fell through the floor or, oh, their head came off or something um, or the car. Like we've, we've seen the car spiral or whatever, you know, but but we haven't really seen this. And this is like um, harder to like. Like, yeah, you're getting, it's like harder to like, like locate how did this what happen? happened. Yeah, exactly. Like what happened? Like is is the, is the user input linked to the dimensions of objects? And why would that be? Yeah, like, like for no, anything. It's like, yeah, because it's a good contrast, right? Because my other favorite glitch I've seen is someone drives, hits like an invisible sprawling and the car goes flying into the air, flips around. They get a bunch of stun points, land and their car just explodes. And that one's very funny, but that's like, oh, there's like an invisible object they hit. It's very silly, but it's very easily like put into a category of glitch. This is like, there's no way for me to wrap my head around how this could possibly happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like either this game is all linked in a way I couldn't possibly fathom or uh, yeah, it's just it, it's witchcraft. Um, But, you know, there's a bunch of other glitches and I wouldn't say I wouldn't even call all of these glitches as much. I was I would call them just dog shit video game making because like it's the uh, there's a video of the rain falling down in the game which i don't know if you've seen yep. but it's the worst rain pretty much ever it's made in any rain. video game going back to like the beginning of time uh and like the rain will just cut out in certain areas of the screen so like it'll be raining on the beach but then it won't rain on the ocean uh it's it's just weird bizarre bizarre game and it just seems like a game they they paid like three people to make yeah it's so funny to me because when we talked about it the first time, we were like, okay, they're making them look like Fortnite, but they look kind of nice. And there's like, I see why they're doing this. And I see what the look is they're going for. And like, we get it. And like, had some positive thoughts. But I think a lot of that comes from like trusting Rockstar to like execute in this way. And we're like, okay, mm -hmm. we see the idea. Let's see how they can do it. I'm sure it'll be good. And the answer was this time, like they did a, they did it bad is how they did it. They did it really yeah. bad. Like they don't even they really execute the look the way you'd think they'd want it to. Like mm -hmm. the hands are like even more insane than we could have possibly dreamed. Mm -hmm. um, all this shit that doesn't work or like works in a weird way. Uh, it's like, it's a lot, but it's like, it's a really bizarre biff. And it's like, I mean, we were talking about cyberpunk. It's like cyberpunk 2077 levels of glitch, except that like cyberpunk at least was like building itself from the ground up so you can kind of understand and have some sympathy for that but this is just a remake like a remaster right it's like at least cyberpunk like looked good outside of like the glitches like this is a game that looks bad and plays bad and and it's, it's so funny too that like the, the game that from like whatever 2005 plays better 
than the version that came out now. And it's so it's so funny because it's like we all know that Grand Theft Auto Five, like they're still selling that at full price. It's one of the most successful entertainment products of all time outside of video games, but just a co- content in general, it sold more than most movies, TV shows, any kind of entertainment product. So they have the money yet, like seemingly no amount of money will like breed the will to like make a video game that works. Yeah. It's like a pretty big disappointment because I'd kind of gotten kind of excited if we talked about the first time about going back and replaying those games, but you can, I still might because I love glitches because glitches are like my favorite thing. So I still might just play it for that reason, honestly. Um, but like, but like, it is like a disappointment in the sense that like, I was excited for like going back into that world in a really like nostalgic and excited way. And like, I just don't feel like that's the experience of that game, really, based on like what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like uh, I I would just play the like like the only one I care to revisit is San Andreas. The other ones are like interesting in a historical context, but they're like so broken. They're like not that fun. Like San Andreas is like still pretty scuffed, but at least in San Andreas, like there's a little bit more modern movement with it. Um, and you can do more modern things in, in that game. I don't really care about playing Vice City or the earlier ones. Um, and, you know, if I want to play San Andreas, I can just get the original on like PS Now or whatever. So I'm, I'm fine without this. Yeah, I think that is uh, accurate. I don't need you guys, okay? I can I can play Grand Theft Auto by myself. Yeah, true that. Um, I can I can sell the hot coffee mod to kids. Well, you can. I can. I can. I can't deny that you are capable of doing such a thing. The, I can. The should a little bit different, but you know those are two different questions. Can and should. Um, Bobby Kodak told me to. <laughs> You're talking about Bobby Kodak before we get to SMT. Yeah, let's just do it for a second. I'm sure like there'll be like a whole week of stories for next episode, like about him. I don't know, like putting female employees in some sort of gamer cage. Uh, but, you know, uh, let, let, let's get into it. Uh, the Activision CEO, we got some breaking news. Um, he once told an assistant he was going to have her killed. <laughs> yep. I'm <laughs> Really, really like in, it's right there. In like a voicemail. Yeah. It's like every it's like this is this is exactly why when people talk about like structural cultures of like shittiness at places that like it's important to take that seriously and like firing a guy or like donating to charity doesn't really cut it because it's like. Those things be like fester and get worse and worse and worse over time until your CEO is threatening to pull a hit on an assistant. Yeah, like, until you're until you're like fucking CEO of your nerd fucking company starts thinking he's Tony Soprano. Uh, it's it's uh, I mean, he does. Ha- he does have a similar f- facial structure here now that I'm noticing him. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 like this article came out. I think yesterday from the Wall Street Journal detailing a litany of things uh, that, that Bobby Kotick has been up to since the early 2000s um, at the company. 
Um, and there have uh, already begun um, Activision employees have been walking out. They're protesting as we're speaking right now. Um, and it seems just like every minute another story comes out about some uh, weirdo shit that he was a part of at the company. Yeah. And it's like every time when this, this happens to a corporation, they're like, this is not who we are. and It's not what we stand for. And it's like in most of those cases and especially this one, it's like. No, this is exactly who you are and what you stand for. It has been for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy has been doing his thing for a very long time. If this was not what you were about, this wouldn't be allowed to happen. Like, yeah. Sure. Like, even at, like, a very genteel and inclusive workplace, people will be rude and say shitty things and fuck up, obviously. That's inevitable. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But, like. You have to have a very profoundly toxic work culture and a very fucked up authority structure for someone to feel okay sexually harassing employees the rate he was doing it, threatening them with literal murder. Like that that doesn't just speak to like, oh, occasionally someone was bad. That speaks to like top down institutional rot at like a very profound level. Yeah. And and I guess it's it's a weird because me watching this story and sort of watching people go through the motions of reacting to it and stuff like that. I mean, I was like, how many of these stories have we had about Blizzard, about Activision and stuff like that? And then it's just like we just keep moving, you know, because it's it's almost as if like I mean, I, I saw a streamer today who was like, like, we're getting into the Bobby Kotick drama. Then we're checking out season of mastery. And it's just like in that same breath, it's like, they're like, we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep consuming the product. They know we're going to keep consuming the product. Bobby will step down to put someone else in. And it's just like, what will be like the real incentive for them to change as a company? Cause I don't think it's ever going to come from the fans. Like it seems like we're going to like when the companies get this big, People are going to still consume it no matter what. And we've almost become numb or just sort of this is regular. This is normal now. Each week we'll hear that there's bad people that make our games. Are you going to stop playing video games? I'm not. And so it's like we just move on. And it's it seems like this is like feels I'm feeling very numb yeah. through all this news cycle. Another weird half of this dynamic, which is every time a game comes out from a studio that like takes steps to make sure this doesn't happen. Everyone's like, yes, they're doing it right. This is the thing. And then like nothing, you know, nothing like people aren't people aren't buying $60 games or whatever in like solidarity with like super giant or whatever. Right. Like if people were like really wanting to like make this clear, I mean, I bought every super giant game because I like super giant and never did it because of like who they are. But like. If people really wanted to be like, we need good working environments for gamers, then like, or for game developers, buy every super giant game, buy them twice, give them to your friends, right? Because like, that's a studio that like runs in a really effective way and in a really generally what I've heard positive way, right? Like, buy Toby Fox's games. That's a game. But we don't, but we, but like, we don't. When you want to engage in entertainment, you don't buy, you don't engage in entertainment to help someone else out. Entertainment is a selfish act. Right, but that's, you want to be it's for you. It's not for someone else. Right. Well, that's what I mean is that like that's the weird half of this is that people are like this is so bad, this sucks and it's like look, if you if you think that's true so much, then put your money where your mouth is and spend the money on games in the framework that isn't just self-indulgent. But like you're saying that doesn't happen because entertainment is inherently self-indulgent. It's an indulgence for right. yourself. And yeah. so like 
it makes a lot of these conversations, like you said, feel very numb and pointless because it's like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like, like, look, I, I am lucky that my proclivity is to play indie games. So a lot of the games I play have nothing to do with this shit. Cool. But like, I'm not doing it for like moral purity reasons because fucking no one is doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not a real thing. And so like, it's sort of like, well, what are you, what, what do we, what, what is to be done then? Right. Like, are we just go like people aren't going to just like switch over from playing like, yeah, everyone stop playing Call of Duty and play the 15 hour card based RPG black book that I've been working through. I Yeah. I mean, I would also go go like it, it, it gets also more complicated when these companies get so big because it's like, yeah, Bobby Kodak technically oversees all these smaller companies that make these games. But like Bobby Kodak isn't making fucking Marvel's Spider-Man, you know, Miles Morales, or he's not making fucking Call of Duty Warzone's new map, you know? Um, And then it's like, but like when companies get this big, then it's like, I guess that taint goes over everyone. But it's like when the companies are this big, I guess what I'm saying is it's all like the likelihood of there being an abuser or a creep goes way up. So it's like if companies are all part of this multiple big fold and then that company is stained with like an abuser. I don't know. It just like it's like, isn't it just more and more likely that we're always going to have to be like feeling shame about the companies that own our entertainment? Right. I mean, I think I mean, frankly, this gets to like a truly huge conversation, which is like a profound issue of life in 2021 is that people think that the media that you consume is like an ethical declaration as opposed to like a thing you do for fun. Um, Yes. And that's like a, we could do hours on that because that's like a whole fucking super insane thing that is very real um, that I find to be silly. Um, But like it there. It, it is true that that is the way a lot of people think about this stuff or want to think about this stuff or want to talk about this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And and this just goes to that where it's like, oh, you play Activision games. You must be fine with all the abuse of Activision. It's like, no, I'm not. But like a lot of people worked on this game, a lot of whom weren't bad people. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like to play whatever Warzone or Vanguard, although Vanguard apparently sucks for a lot of other reasons, but whatever. Um, Lowest selling Call of Duty game. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, they're going to blame that on the black guy on the cover and not on the game being bad. Yikes. Um, <laughs> too bad. going to learn the wrong lesson on that one. Um, but yeah, like it's the whole thing. They should just put Chuck Norris in the front. Yeah, every time. Um, but yeah, it's just that every single kind of it, it, it raises this question of 2021 of like, oh, the things you buy indicate who you are, what you believe in. And every time we learn about these bad guys, like we have to confront that in this way. And it's like, that's not a productive thing. Like there should be ways to get, there should be ways to get back at these companies in a meaningful way. We don't have access to them because of the way that capitalism works, but like that's a whole bigger social structure issue. And in the meantime, there's just not a lot that you can really do about it. Right. Like your best option is to play strictly indies, but like, who's going to do that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, look, I, like I said, I play 90% indies, but I play AAA games. For sure, I play AAA games. Like, yeah. like I just, that's always, like, going to be, because some of them are fucking sweet. Um, and, like, I play video games because I think they're fucking sweet. So, like, it's hard to navigate this idea that you have to deprioritize the games that seem cool because of this ethical concern when, like, 
Like Bobby Kotick has nothing to do with Diablo four, for instance, Mm -hmm. aside from he's going to get paid off of it. But guess what? He's going to get paid a bajillion dollars fucking literally no matter what. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I don't know. I'm, it's weird because there is a part of me. It's like we should have a like we should be talking about ways to hold these people accountable. But like, they're like I just there's like sh- I shake the tree and there's like nothing that falls out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't have the right answer, but what I do know, Lux, is that I'm having a lot of fun playing Halo Infinite. <laughs> All right, tell me about Halo Infinite, and then we'll get to the final. We, I, I, we're we're already at the end of the episode. I'll talk about it next week and as I play more. But I played Halo Infinite when it dropped first day. It was a surprise to me that they were going to release multiplayer this early. Um, and it seems like they're like purposely screwing over Battlefield. Hell yeah. Which also has a beta out right now. Get them. Um, but uh, the game is good. It's the first time since Halo 3 that I've liked a Halo game. Um, and yeah, they just like... They just proved that, like, we just we don't need you to reinvent the wheel. You just have to make a simple, good online Halo game that you can play with your friends. And yesterday I played with my friends Halo for three hours and it felt like the old times and it felt like something I'd do again. Hell yeah. That sounds great. It was free. That's also great. It was fucking free. Genius. Well, here's what wasn't free. Shin Megami Tensei 5. Let's go. Yeah, that was $90. Um. If you wanted the bundle, which full transparency, I did. Um, oh, what do you get it? What did you get in it? Uh, there's a bunch of fun DLCs, and there's also the ability to adjust. So there's also the ability to adjust the Mitama mechanic, which I'll get to when I explain all the ways that I think this game is brilliant. Um, this game fucking rules, dude. Wait, there's nothing physical about it. There's no little statue or anything. I mean, I maybe if you like order the hard copy, do the download. You paid for a. Deluxe digital? Yeah, because I just wanted to fucking play the game. Oh, oh my god, you chump. I'm not a, yeah, I thought if you're I'm, you play you pay for the deluxe, you gotta get the box or whatever. I'm not a fucking collector, man. I'm just here to play your game. But then why are you getting the deluxe? Because I want to play the DLC. It's not out yet. The DLC is. Oh, it's already out? Yeah. Why'd they launch the DLC the same day as the game? Because it just has, it just has like extra stuff. Maybe maybe it's not out individually and you can only get it in the bundle and that's why it happened that way. Okay, continue. Um, But, okay, this game is fucking awesome. Um, mm-hmm. The story is sort of your classically bare bones SMT story where it's like you're a teen. The world explodes with demons for some reason. Now you're dealing mm-hmm. with demons. You got to figure it out. You bond with the creep. You got to date your teacher. Nope. That's a persona thing. Not an SMT Ooh. thing. Um, you, and well, that's, oh, no. That's the thing with the SMT games that we love is they're you, very. Do you d- date your principal? You don't date anyone so far. <laughs> I'm 20 hours yeah. in. Um, okay. But they're very streamlined. Like it's just dungeon crawling, adventuring, fighting, fusing, catching guys. That's the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And it rules. There's a couple of things that they've added to the game that have made it really fucking great. Uh, The first is that you get this item called a return pillar, which lets you just instantly warp to the last checkpoint that you used. So it's really Mm -hmm. so you're never at that point that you get to and say Nocturne or SMT one or two where you're like, oh, my party's totally fucked. I have to get to a healer and a checkpoint, but I'm super far away from any of them. I'm going to die and lose all my progress. Um, mm-hmm. That is removed from the game because you can just teleport mm-hmm. back. That is mwah. the next thing is this Mitama thing that 
you can only really access with the DLC, which is they have these guys called Mitamas, like floating half moons. And one of oh, them yeah. gives you XP, an XP bonus for your demons. One gives you a glory bonus, which is a currency you get to like upgrade your character. Uh, one gives you an XP bonus for your character, which like gives you extra stats. And one gives you like money. And what they did that was really smart is they give you the option to increase or decrease the frequency with which they appear. Um, and so if you have it all the way turned up and you're hunting them all the time, you can get way over level and just blast through the game and sort of just do the story in a really easy way. Um, and if you want to have it be super grindy, you can put them really, really low or even off. And if you want to split the difference, you can set it to like the middle setting. And so letting you determine how much like help the game can give you really lets you customize the degree of difficulty you want to engage with. Um, but how do you know? How do you know how much you want it to give you? Well, it sort of depends, right? Like I caught myself being over leveled for some boss fight, so I turned it down. Oh, um, like you just have to like make the call as you play. It's weird because I like when the game strikes that balance for me. Yeah, but that's like pretty difficult to strike the balance. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to do that. Yeah, it's almost impossible to do for everyone because everyone has like a different kind of taste. Oh, yeah. So letting it the, is impossible. Letting you make that yeah. choice like actually makes it possible for everyone to kind of get the thing they want out of it, which is very cool. Okay. The thing. This is the. This thing is the coup de gras masterpiece. King's choice of this game is the invention of what they call the reverse compendium fusion, which is a menu when you go to fuse. So you remember in like Persona or other SMTs, you go to the menu, you go to the fusion place, you go open the menu, you see the guys you have, and then you can kind of mm -hmm. like click to see who turns into what, right? Yes. So they added first the reverse fusion thing, which gives you a list of all of the things that you can fuse out of the dudes in your party. Very helpful. Mm -hmm. Makes things a lot easier. They also added reverse compendium fusion, which gives you a list of all the things you can fuse out of everything you've already caught and registered, as well as everything in your party. So you instantly have a huge list of every possible thing that you can fuse into rather than having to nice. check each individual matchup or like go online and do a fusion calculator or any of that shit. You can tell instantly. Wait, they, they had that in, in the last Persona game. They didn't have a no, they had the companion where you could check. They didn't give you a full list of who was available. Mm. Um, using your companion. I don't think so. Maybe they added it. I don't think they did. I, 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 what, I mean, maybe you're describing something that's like a little more detailed, but I remember them having something, something like that where you could like see like all the different possible monsters that could be created with your current inventory. Yeah, I think they did that with the party, but not with the compendium was the thing. Oh, I see. And this gives it to okay. you every single thing you've ever caught in the list. So you're looking at like uh, dozens okay. of options on um, right. how much it would cost to resummon them and all the different combinations you have to get them. And that's so it, cool. makes it seems it, like they just keep on making it better. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it really, really easy and takes a lot nice. of those sort of like. You know, um, our friend Porky put it really well, which is that like, look, everyone's playing these games, the laptop open to have their fusion calculator out so they can know what to do and like what to evolve into who and where and why. And it makes sense that the game would say, look, we'd rather you not be looking at a laptop while you play our game. So we're just yeah. going to put that in the game. Right. Um, and I, it yeah, totally exactly. fucking works. That's great. Um, now, and then, here's where I'm worried about the game, though, Lux. Yeah. Uh, no relationships. Mm hmm. Uh, and no dating um, makes Griffin a sad gamer. Well, see, this is the SMT persona difference, right? Mm -hmm. And honestly, where I think I'm like, well, this is like half the game missing. Well, see, with SMT, it's a lot more of What's, what fills out that uh, that half the game. It's like a it's like it's more dungeon crawling and adventuring, right? Like, it's not like yeah. you're going into these independent little castles that are all kind of small and you just have to like, get through them. It's like yeah. you're traversing these big landscapes and these big settings. Uh -huh. Um 
I just had a fucking sick cutscene where a giant flame demon just wrote like 30 angels that are flying through the sky. Uh-huh. Um, and that level of scale and shit is like built in from the beginning in a way it's not with the Persona games. Um, and in a way that makes your character feel more powerful and sort of gives you a little bit more of the adventuring juice. And it's like it's like a little bit more challenging. It's a little bit grindier. There's like fewer ways to sort of get all these extra bonuses you get in the Persona games. Right. Like mm-hmm. um, you kind of just have to like do the damn thing. Um, yeah. And so I love that. Yeah. It's so interesting because for me, it's like that reminds me more of like Persona Strikers, which is like what we played on the Switch a couple months back. Yeah. Uh, and that there was no relationships really, but it was like mainly just like doing the dungeon crawling. And I got tired of that. Yeah, but that um, didn't have nearly as much sort of like party building, creature yeah. construction, capturing, the talking, the negotiating, um, all that stuff. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's what sets us apart is that like, I mean, this is this has been the SMT gimmick for a while and Persona does this a little bit too, but it's like every five to seven levels, you open up like a huge new range of guys you can have. So yep. it stays really fresh in that respect. Um, uh-huh. And but, then, um, like, how is it running on the Switch? You know, I've this, is, had, this is a new game. I've had only one complaint, honestly, which is that when thing, things at a long draw distance can have pretty chunky frame rates. Yeah. Um, and that's not, like, ideal. But, like, once you get, like, reasonably close to shit, it all looks good. Like, there will be, yeah. like, an angel flying around, like, bloop, bleep, bloop 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 and it's like popping around rather than like being animated flying interesting um but once you get like close enough to like really give a shit about it it looks good yeah so far okay. that's been my only problem with it i know other people have had like other frame rate issues but for me it's been totally fine aside from that yeah you know I, I, when i see people play it for just a second i'm struck by like some of the graphical quality but then i'm like how is that gonna like like be stable on the switch um so yeah i'm very curious to see like if the graphics just look thinner or like walls and houses are like very thin or something i don't know i'm, I'm curious to see like how that plays it's definitely a game that like is on my radar or something i'll like be be playing maybe around the holidays or something like yeah. once other shit has died down um seems like a good holiday game yeah i mean i'm i'm excited that i have it for thanksgiving because it's a game that i really want to like dump time into so having thanksgiving the fact that i'm not traveling because i don't have an it um mm-hmm. means that i'll have a lot of times sort of just sit around and like fall outrageous with this game and is it pretty good on the handheld yeah i love it on the handheld that's what i'm playing mostly so as i'm I'm playing it very similarly to how I play Nocturne, where I just like have my Switch near me, and anytime I'm not doing something, I just pick it up and start playing it. Nice, um, nice. But yeah, it's good. Um, it also has a fun system that is not in Persona. So in in Nocturne, there's a system called the Magatama thing, where you can eat different like demon eggs to get different like sets of powers, like to change your resistances and your stats and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this game. Uh, the thing is that you can get essences of different demons and then mm. if you ha- and then if you have the essences you can pull stuff from them like skills or resistances or whatever um mm-hmm. and so it's fun so as you go through you get to an area where it's like oh everyone here does like wind damage so i'm just gonna like pull wind resistance off of one of my demons or mm-hmm. like uh this boss does like fire and is weak to bless like do i have a thing that gives me blessed bonus but also diminishes fire damage um hmm. and so that's like a really fun little mini system i mean it's like Forrest said it really well that SMT one and two have a bunch of fun systems and the game is almost designed to make it as hard as possible to access those fun systems. Mm -hmm. Um, And this game is designed to make them constantly accessible and always there and always present, which is like, that's what you want. 
So it's, it seems like it's probably the most approachable of the series yet. For sure. It's definitely, um, it doesn't have quite as much like spooky tone as Nocturne. Nocturne's really a mm-hmm. big achievement in terms of like, you're this guy walking around this like empty Tokyo in a way that's like really creepy and moody, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. This is not quite that. But as far as like accessibility and playability, I think it's like definitely top of the pubs. Nice. Um, well, that's cool. Very interesting. And like, what are we talking? Are we talking like persona, like 120 hours? What are we, what are we talking about? What I've read is that if you just mainline the main campaign, it's about 50 to 80. And that if you play the whole thing, it's about 100 to 120. Ooh, damn son. hundred hours on the switch. Let's go. Yeah. I'm ready for it, dog. I'm already 20 hours and I'm grooving. I'm rolling. Nice. Um, nice. I, I, I have faith in you. Yeah. And I, I have no idea how many hours I've put into Final Fantasy 14. I like never even counted. There's I, I don't, no clue. Yeah. I mean, this game is an hour a time tracker, so it's easy for me to tell. I think they do, too. I just I'm too scared to look. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Um, well, long app today, but we love it. Good app. Strong app. Lots of fun stuff. Um, but that's going to do it for us this week. Yeah, that, that'll do. That'll do, pig. Uh, excited to get back to playing my damn video games. Um, so see you guys next week. Uh, before we go, just let you know, you can find Haley on Instagram and YouTube at Eat Every Sound. You can find Griffin on Twitter and TikTok at Griffin P. Davis and on Twitch.tv slash Choom Room where he streams regularly. And then you can find me wow. on twitter.com at tailboy that's t-i-t-a-i-l underscore b-o-i and i stream shin megami tensei now shin megami tensei 5 every thursday at 8 30 on twitch.tv slash pixel goblins and we might be expanding pixel goblins out to cover more various shows and you know get in now guys maybe you can even become a mod of the channel maybe you can we don't have any yet so you know the role is open wow um. Yeah. We just, like, Audi- auditions are this Thursday. Yeah. Anyone Come who shows in up and, this and Thursday to, and can get people to shut the fuck up. Try to ban. Just find someone and try to ban them. Yeah. If you can ban someone without us making you a mod, then you got it. You're in. Yeah. Exactly. It's you kind of have to like you have to sip the blood of the gods. Yeah. A preternatural skill, frankly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, see you guys next week. Thank you all for listening and goodbye. Bye bye.